You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. This is the postgame podcast. The Timberwolves fell to the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday night. We'll talk all about it here on the show today. Key takeaways, individual studs and duds. It's all upcoming. First of all, though, thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Locked on Wolves is, of course, free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and, of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter, and uh, the show account is at Locked on T-Wolves, don't forget the T, and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, so lots to unpack here for this Wolves-Grizzlies game. So we'll start with just a few thoughts, and then I'll get into the, the biggest, the key takeaways from the game, and we'll close with individual studs and duds. This was a really interesting game. It was a ton of fun, really entertaining. Obviously, setting this up, we all, I mean, Memphis came into this thing winning, uh, what, uh, 10 in a row coming into this game. Had some impressive recent wins over the Warriors, had beaten Phoenix during the streak, had beaten Brooklyn on the road, beaten the Lakers twice. Really great streak for the Memphis Grizzlies. No Dylan Brooks. He's been out for a little while. Will be out for the foreseeable future for the next several weeks with a sprained ankle. No Steven Adams in this game out with a non-COVID illness. Also their fourth consecutive game without their head coach, Taylor Jenkins. Uh, he is out due to COVID health and safety protocols. So a relatively shorthanded Memphis team against a full-strength Wolves team minus Jalen Noel in terms of rotation players, uh, but otherwise a healthy Timberwolves team. And game being played in Memphis, Memphis was, I think, four-point favorites maybe coming into the game according to betonline.ag, which to me actually seemed a little bit low. Um, and obviously they ended up winning this thing by eight. But what exactly happened in this in this game? Um, the, the, the big picture reaction is, real quickly, uh, before I get into some of the specifics, it's a frustrating game for Timberwolves fans, and here's why. On the one hand, this is a game that the Timberwolves could have and probably should have won. They had a, a lead one point with a couple of minutes left. They led uh, for stretches, you know, at times throughout the game for, for actually a decent, a, a significant portion of the game and had multiple fourth quarter leads. John Morant did not have a great game. Uh, the Timberwolves did pretty good in terms of in terms of their offensive efficiency. Uh, I mean, what, they shot 43% from the field. They were a little below where you'd want them to be outside the arc, but got to the line a, a little bit. You know, just generally speaking, played a pretty solid offensive game. Their big three played about as well. Um, you know, any random night that this would be an above average night for all three of those guys, for, for D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards. A, a game that they could have won against a good opponent. On the flip side... The Timberwolves should have won this game, right? I mean, they fell apart at the end. We'll get into the execution at the end of the game here in a little bit. They got nothing outside of their big three, plus Jared Vanderbilt had a pretty good game. But besides that, we'll get into this too. The rest of the team was awful in, in terms of their, in terms of shooting the ball, really, but just in general, just was not very good. And that's frustrating. I mean, you look at this game and you say, okay, if the Timberwolves are going to be more than a play-in team, they need more than their big three, obviously. But- Again, back to the first point, they played really well and had a late lead against the league's hottest team and, and clearly one of the best, what, six, seven, at worst, eight teams in the entire NBA. I'd probably give them top six or seven for sure. Um, so it's really hard to get too upset about that. It's not like the big three shrunk from this 
from this stage, right? Um, so it's it's kind of it's just one of those games you look at and you go, okay, the Grizzlies beat the Wolves by eight. That makes sense. Memphis is a better team than Minnesota. Memphis was playing at home. Um, Memphis is hot. All these things make sense, and it's tough to get too upset about the Timberwolves losing this game. The manner in which they lost, the execution down the stretch, the lack of production from non-star players was obviously frustrating. But it's not like they got blown out, um, you know. And and obviously losing Tuesday against the Pelicans was tough too. But that was a buzzer beater. Like it, it, this is not a sky is falling situation. I don't know that anybody thinks that it really is. But I think that this is this is calling for some really measured and nuanced analysis because there were some positives to take out of this game. So I want to start by talking just some quick game flow type things, some quick high points, and then we'll break down some key takeaways. Um, a couple of quick hitters early in the game, the Timberwolves tried a really big lineup. And again, no Steven Adams for the Grizzlies. So I thought this was interesting. But at the end of the first quarter, Minnesota had a, a 2-3 possession lead. And Nas Reed came into the game. Carl Anthony Towns stayed on the floor. The Timberwolves went big with Nas at the four. And uh, Jade McDaniels at the three. And obviously, Chris Finch was doing this, knowing that the Grizzlies are, uh, as we talked about in the preview on Thursday's show, the Grizzlies are the best offensive rebounding team in the league in terms of percentage. They're also the the top second chance points team in the league. The Timberwolves, of course, are 26th, I think, coming into this game in defensive rebound percentage and have given up a lot of second chance points, especially of late. So that was going to be an issue in this game. And Chris Finch was kind of trying to head that off by playing Nas and Towns together. It didn't work terribly well. And I, I don't think he went back to it all the rest of the game. Nas ended up with a very quiet game, 11 minutes, four points, two rebounds. Did have a pair of blocks that were both really nice at the rim. Um, but it was kind of a weird early sign that like, hey, Chris Finch knows they're going to be in trouble on the glass. Let's try this. And it's not like the Grizzlies play a massive lineup either. I mean, I mean, with without Steven Adams, I should say, I mean, you get Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark out there. That's a lot of rebounding or even Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. Those guys are fantastic rebounders, but it's not that much size for the Timberwolves to deal with. They're just active, tough, hard-nosed players, long players with the knack for the basketball. And, and the Timberwolves were trying to, you know, combat that with playing Nas at the four, and it didn't exactly work. Uh, Patrick Beverly was fantastic on John Morant early. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but he was good throughout the game. And now Ja got into some foul trouble, picked up his third foul before halftime, and and first half minutes were cut pretty short. Didn't he only had actually three points in the first half? John Morant did and, and did most of his damage in the third quarter, almost all of his damage actually. For the most part, the Timberwolves did a really good job of limiting John Morant, which is partly what makes this thing so this loss so frustrating because Patrick Beverly mostly did a good job locking him down. Uh, Josh Kogi only played three minutes. I thought Kogi would get more run guarding Morant, but Beverly was doing so well defensively. The Timberwolves had a, a good enough defensive plan to to stop John Morant that it wasn't necessary to put Kogi out there for more uh, for more minutes in this game. Um, Anthony Edwards had 25 points in the first half. Now, he only had five in the second half. We'll talk more about that, too, here in a little bit. But he had 25 in the first half. I think he had 13 in the first quarter. Was just absolutely on fire. Was phenomenal. And uh, it was was a big reason for the Timberwolves building a, a relative. It was a modest, I guess, it was seven points at halftime. Um, the Grizzlies came back, tied the game by the end of the third quarter. So this was a tie game headed to the fourth. Again, on the road in Memphis, um, and uh, and I mean, by the time, or I'm sorry, it wasn't a tie game headed to the fourth. Memphis actually built a little bit of a lead. I think it was a, a like a four point lead going to the fourth quarter. Uh, but still, the Wolves led for a good chunk of the third quarter before Memphis went on a little run, a 7-0 run. The game was tied again. Memphis went on a 6-0 run to end the third. And so then it was a six point Memphis lead going to the fourth. 
And then the Timberwolves actually took back the lead. They led with a couple of minutes to play. And in just a second here, I want to break down the final couple of minutes and what happened. Um, but by and large, this was this was really a tale of kind of two halves. And again, there were some good stretches for the Wolves in the second half. But um, early in the game, it was a lot of Anthony Edwards for Minnesota, not much else. Second half, it was a lot of Carl Anthony Towns. D'Lo was solid throughout. Um, but when the Grizzlies needed it, they were able to grab offensive rebounds. They were able to make open shots, which is not generally their MO, but they hit some timely shots in this game, especially John Conchar. Absurdly, he had 15 points, 17 rebounds off the bench in 30 minutes. He hit three three-pointers in this game. Uh, Memphis was was surprisingly timely with some of some of those made shots late in the game, and of course the offensive rebounding as well. The final couple minutes, and again the Wolves had a lead with two minutes to play. The Wolves come down the court. D'Angelo Russell misses a three, not a bad look. Uh, next possession, uh, Patrick Beverly misses a shot at the rim that he probably should have made. The following possession, Edwards turns it over. Then two consecutive offensive fouls from Carl Anthony Towns. By the way, he had gone the last two, maybe even three games. Towns had without an offensive foul, which is an incredible stretch for him. Obviously, he he fouls on offense, commits more offensive fouls than uh, uh, in terms of his rate of offensive fouls, higher than anybody else in the league. Um, and then finally, there's an Edwards miss three. The Grizzlies scored, I think, on five of those six possessions, maybe four of the six possessions, and basically put the game away over that stretch. Um, really disappointing for in terms of execution for the Wolves. We've seen this throughout, at times throughout the year where Minnesota gets into this isolation offense. They don't move the ball late in games. And that happened a little bit here. And and Towns, you know, had had such a strong second half, but he just got out over his skis a little bit and and uh, made some mistakes down the stretch. I want to get into key takeaways next. And I've got, I guess, really three big ones that I've already kind of alluded to a little bit, but I want to dig in a bit more on those. And then we'll get to uh, individual studs and duds here to close the show, as we always do. First, though, Let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march to the playoffs of the NFL. They start actually tomorrow on Saturday and beyond. We're now more than halfway through the NBA season. Trade deadline's a month away, then the All-Star game. It's all coming up really quick. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and that means a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our special promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves-Grizzlies. And this first one here is is pretty obvious. Um, Non-big non three players did not perform as needed in this game. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, all strong. And actually, let's let Jared Vanderbilt into that category. He was only four or five from the field. But if you want to talk about scoring the ball, those guys were all relatively efficient. I mean, I mean D'Lo... Towns, Edwards all shot the ball roughly. I mean, together they were over 50%. Vanda was four or five. Non Carl Anthony Towns, uh, non big three. So non D'Lo, non Cat, Ant, and uh, Jared Vanderbilt players in this game, get this, were six for 35, 17.1% from the field. 
So take Edwards, Towns, Russell, Vando out of the equation. So all the starters except for Patrick Beverly. The rest of the team, the bench plus Pat Bev, shot six for 35, 17.1% from the field. Obviously, our big three is going to carry the scoring load. That's why you call them a big three. Uh, so sure, fine. But but 17%, it doesn't cut it. it. It just doesn't. And we saw, I mean, the biggest culprits in this game, Malik Beasley, one of eight. Nas Reed, one of eight. Jaden McDaniels, two of seven. Patrick Beverly, one of nine. I mean, those those four really, really struggled. And that's a massive understatement. Take those four, just their three-point attempts. You ready for this? Just their three-point attempts. They were two of 18 from, the, from beyond the arc. Those four players. Jaden McDaniels, Patrick Beverly. Nas Reed, Malik Beasley, two of 18 outside the arc in this game. And all they need them to do is be like, what, six of 18, which would be far below league average, seven of 18, you know, make one out of every three of your, of your open, wide open, in most of these cases, wide open three-point attempts, because teams are doubling Carl Anthony Towns, they're collapsing in Anthony Edwards, or they're blitzing D'Angelo Russell as he's trying to shoot a deep three-pointer. Just make one out of every three three pointers, uh, and we're talking about guys that can shoot the ball. Patrick Beverly is having the worst three point shooting year of his career this year. Um, you know, basically since he was a rookie. I mean, he's a good three point shooter. He's like a thirty eight percent, thirty nine percent coming into the year career three point shooter. Nas Reed's been pretty good this year from three. Malik Beasley shot forty percent the last couple of years, and he's a, a career thirty eight plus percent three point shooter. Uh, I mean, Jade McDaniel's, I guess, would be would be the the exception, but. To combine two of 18, four of your key supporting cast players, your role players, that's not acceptable. It's just not going to work against a team, especially a team as red hot as the Memphis Grizzlies. And, and that was a major issue in this game was uh, especially Malik Beasley. And, you know, I mean, he was the biggest one because he played, what, 30 minutes in this game, 24 minutes, excuse me. Um, and then along with this, by the way, a sub point here, Jalen Noel did not play. He had, uh, the sprained ankle. He was doubtful coming into the game. Obviously it was a bad sprain. Uh, the collision from Tuesday night's game against New Orleans did not play in this game. And I realized he wasn't in the rotation as recently as three weeks ago, but, uh, I mean, the bench unit could have used, do you think they could have used the Jalen Noel in this game? I mean, the Timberwolves bench scored 13 points. The, the Timberwolves bench was outscored, uh, massively. Um, Grizzlies bench scored 48 points. The Timberwolves bench scored 13, a 48 to 13 margin in terms of bench points. Um, which I think by the way, bench points as, as a whole, like it's kind of a lazy, like, ah, the bench versus the bench. Cause that's not how it works, right? It's not the five bench guys aren't always playing the five bench guys. But, uh, when the Timberwolves big three carries their portion of the, of the load and the bench scores 13 points and the Grizzlies bench has John Conchar putting up a 15 and 17, Brandon Clark putting up a 14 and eight. Um, it, it just, that it's not good when your bench only puts up 13 points and can't hit the broad side of, of the barn from the field. Um, so that's my first takeaway is the non big three lack of production. The next thing was something we talked about on the, on the preview during the show on Thursday was some of these predictable struggles in terms of offensive rebounding, paint points, et cetera. Uh, the Grizzlies are number one in the league in offensive rebound rate. They're number one in second chance points. The Timberwolves are 26th in defensive rebound rate. This is all coming into the game. Can't imagine those numbers are going to shift much after Thursday. So predictably, the Grizzlies were going to eat in the paint. I thought the Wolves would have a chance to do okay if Steven Adams didn't play. Steven Adams did not play. The Grizzlies still had 16 offensive rebounds in this game. 
They were a plus four on the offensive glass against the Timberwolves, a plus 10 overall on on the glass. A 56 rebounds, the Timberwolves 46. And points of the paint were also won by the Grizzlies fairly easily um, in this game as well. Uh, 66 to 38. So when I say fairly easily, uh, they annihilated the Timberwolves in the paint. 66 paint points compared to 38 for Minnesota. Um, so paint points, second chance opportunities, all these are things that were predictable coming into the game. The one thing that was not predictable that really killed the Timberwolves was free throw attempts. The Memphis Grizzlies had 35 free throw attempts in this game, and they were, I believe they were 19th or 20th in terms of free throw rate offensively coming into this game. I had highlighted that also on Thursday's pregame show, or I should say uh, preview show. Um, but the Grizzlies got the benefit of, it seemed like every whistle, um, and I'm not complaining, I, I, I don't mean to mean... To, to make that a major officiating complaint. I do think there were some issues in terms of officiating this game. Um, but Memphis was the aggressor. They were more active in terms of getting offensive rebounds. They, were, they got into the paint, which is something I talked about as well. It's not just John Rant. As a whole, this team can penetrate, can get into the paint, can score at the rim, can draw fouls and be successful that way. And they, they attempted 35 free throws in this game. Now, they only made 24. And one of the main reasons the Timberwolves had a late lead was because Memphis missed 11 free throws in this game. Memphis missed as many free throws in this game as the Timberwolves made in this game. Memphis was 24 of 35. The Timberwolves were 11 of 14. Memphis attempted 21 more free throws than Minnesota. Thank goodness the Wolves made 78% of their free throws and Memphis was only 68% from the charity stripe. Memphis missed as many free throws as the Timberwolves made. Part of that's aggressiveness. Memphis was more aggressive than Minnesota. Part of it was officiating. There's no way in the world that Carl Anthony Towns can play 40 minutes and attempt one free throw and have that be a fairly officiated performance. Um, Cat should have been in the line more than one time. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You got Jaron Jackson with 10 free throw attempts. Desmond Bain with nine. John Rant deserved his seven. Xavier Tillman in 15 minutes off the bench gets four free throw attempts. You can't tell me Xavier Tillman earned four free throw attempts in 15 minutes and Carl Anthony Towns earned one free throw attempt in 40 minutes. Uh, someday that'll change. Someday it will change, hopefully. Um, but all that to say, that was a significant area of loss for the Timberwolves in this game was at the charity stripe in addition to offensive rebounding points in the paint, uh, which were very predictable. The last thing is the way the Timberwolves essentially split up their scoring load, and, and obviously this wasn't intentionally or by design, but it's something we're seeing the Wolves, this happens more naturally as they as they they when they play well offensively, is you almost have guys taking turns, dominating the game, but not a my turn, your turn thing. We talked about this after the Thunder game, I guess it was last Friday. Um Anthony Edwards dominated early, 13 first quarter points, 25 first half points. He only had five in the second half, which wasn't great. Carl Anthony Towns only had seven first half points himself, but uh, he did a ton of damage in the second half. He had, what, seven in the first half? That means he had 18 points in the second half of this game. And then D'Lo was phenomenal throughout. We'll talk more about him here in a minute. But it was almost like an ant first half, cat second half. D'Lo does his thing throughout the game, distributes for others, et cetera. But nobody else came to the party, and that was the issue. But the Timberwolves offense flows best when they when they essentially you know one guy can kind of take the lead and be like all right i'm going to i'm going to take over for this period of time the offense is going to flow through me and then i'm going to hit open open shooters on the perimeter when i get doubled or or get into trouble unfortunately those open shooters did not help out carl anthony towns did not help out anthony edwards did not help out d'angelo russell in this game really at all Okay. Um, by the way, I said this a couple different ways. I, I've talked about the, you know, the two of 18 from three for the, for the non big three plus Vando players. 
non-big three players. So, I mean, Vanda obviously didn't even attempt a three. So, Timberwolves players not named Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, total in this game, made two three-pointers. Two three-pointers made by non-big three players. The big three combined to make 13 threes. The rest of the team made two threes. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. We could say this in however many different ways. It's terrible every which way we put it. Um, miserable, miserable supporting cast performance for Minnesota in this game. Okay, on a brighter note, let's talk about individual studs. And unfortunately, we got to cover the duds as well. So we're going to do that next here to close the show. Uh, before that, though, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. It's the new year. That means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure that you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and and really, in a lot of cases, even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bar has you covered because Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has right around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever they might be. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds from Wolves Grizzlies. Uh, Pretty easy to to determine the studs for this game. Um, number one, we'll go with D'Angelo Russell. His game really impressed me in, in this one. And I know he fouled out. He, he had some issues with foul trouble, but he also, it's not like he had an easy defensive assignment in this game. D'Lo had 29 points on 11 of 19 shooting, six of 11 on threes, and hit some big ones early in the game and then also early in the fourth quarter when it could have gotten away from the Timberwolves very easily. He was quite good. Six assists, three rebounds, Two turnovers, only two turnovers in 35 minutes for D'Lo, but a very efficient game. I was shocked he only had six assists in the pick and roll game, especially. D'Lo, these last few games, has been carving up opponents in pick and roll game. The mid pick and roll has been so deadly, and he had a couple of really nice pocket passes in this game. Another fantastic performance from D'Angelo Russell. Um, number two for me is Carl Anthony Towns, 25 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a couple of blocks. Um, I guess this isn't in any particular order. I, if I was ranking these, I would put D'Lo first and Ant second, but we'll talk about Cat first. 25 and nine, three assists, two blocks and a steal. He did have four turnovers in 40 minutes, uh, but he shot 11 of 17. A couple of those turnovers were offensive fouls late in the game. I think three of his four fouls were offensive fouls. And two, again, were in the final two minutes, like we talked about earlier. The 11 of 17 shooting was great. Um, he was nine of 11 inside the arc, two of six outside the arc. And, and as mentioned before, only the one free throw attempt in this game for Cat, which cannot happen. Uh, partly that's on him. I don't put most of that on him. 
I think he was not officiated well in this game. It's not the first time we've said that. Uh, but a, a strong overall game from Cat. Again, just seven first half points, 18 points in the second half. He he stepped up when the team needed him and was was fantastic late. Anthony Edwards overall, you know, this ended up just being a nice game for him. He was amazing in the first half. Again, 13 first quarter points, 25 first half points, 30 overall. 9 of 20 shooting, 5 of 11 outside the arc, very efficient. We'll take that. 7 of 7 at the free throw line. Four assists in this game for Ant. He did have three turnovers, and he only had two rebounds in 38 minutes, which is never great. Um, it, you know, Ant has these games where he's in the 7, 8, 9 range, and then he'll have a couple where he's like 0, 1, 2 rebounds. We'd it'd be great to see a little more consistency if he could grab 5, 6 a game instead of these high and low games. That would be ideal, but hey, uh, beggars can't be choosers. This was generally a solid game for Ant. It's just too bad he couldn't do more in the second half of this one. Um, in terms of duds, uh, it's this is actually a little bit tougher because really nobody else play, played that well. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt had eight and 13, but he didn't do his normal thing, right? I mean, Vando had no assists, no steals, no blocks. That's very strange. He doesn't fall into either category for me in this one. Patrick Beverly, I think, has to get a dud. It's really tough because he had a stretch in the middle of this game. He was so good defensively, and and I, I can't do that. I can't give him a dud because he was so great on John Rant. We haven't talked a lot about that. But Ja was 5 of 16 shooting, 0 of 7 outside the arc, turned it over four times. Pat Bev had a couple really nice strips against him. He ended up with eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, and two blocks. Beverly did just one turnover in 30 minutes. The tough thing is he shot just one and nine from the field. He was 0 of 5 outside the arc and had a couple of like wide, I think four of his five three-point attempts were wide open. He just could not make a shot. Uh, it, it was really offensively, you know, shooting the ball, Beverly was atrocious, but everything else was great. Um, he was third on the team and rebounding with eight boards, tied for the team lead with six assists. He's the only t- player on the Timberwolves that had more than one steal in this game. Remember, Memphis doesn't turn the ball over a lot. The Timberwolves only got four steals in this game. He also tied for the team lead with two blocks. So Pat Bev was really good defensively, okay otherwise offensively, but couldn't shoot the ball. So I guess it's not really fair to give him a dud for this one either. I talked myself out of it uh, because he was genuinely very good on defense, which shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, I'm going to give my my duds to Malik Beasley, one of eight shooting, didn't contribute in other categories. He did have three assists, but in 24 minutes, three assists, three rebounds, and three personal fouls from Malik Beasley, just three points on one of eight shooting, one of seven on threes. And again, per usual, most of these are open catch and shoot threes, which are supposed to be Malik Beasley's wheelhouse. That's why he's paid the salary that he's paid, and he simply has not been successful this year shooting the basketball, which is a major issue. My second dud is Nas Reed. Four points, two assists in 11 minutes, one of eight shooting. He squeezed the trigger eight times in 11 minutes, which is kind of insane when you consider Malik Beasley only shot the ball eight times in 24 minutes. Nas Reed shot the ball almost one time a minute. He was on the court. One of three outside the arc, one of two at the line, two blocks in the game, but he did have two turnovers in just 11 minutes. Turnovers have been an issue for Nas of late, as has uh, not shooting the ball well. And and we knew he was going to come back to earth a little after a really hot, start to the season shooting the ball from outside the arc, but um, disappointing game from Nas to be sure. All right. Uh, that's all we really need to say about this one. Grand scheme of things, not a not an awful loss. I mean, it's a good team. Timberwolves had a late lead, bad execution down the stretch. Their best players played well. They stepped up in a, in a big game, a game that a lot of people were watching on a night with not a ton of games around the league on a Thursday, right? There were five games total. Um, outside of the national games, people were paying attention to Memphis because they were going for 11 straight. The Timberwolves played well. Their best players played well. They were in this thing late. 
uh, and they just lost. And, and you just got to, I mean, tip your cap to Memphis and, and get them next time. Um, and now the Timberwolves have a couple of days off, which will be good after playing uh, every other day, essentially, for the last couple of weeks. Um, on the heels of the four-game winning streak, the Wolves lose two straight. They now don't play Friday. They don't play Saturday. They go to they go back home to Target Center to take on Golden State on Sunday. So our next show will be the post-game pod following Wolves-Warriors on Sunday. That'll be Monday's show, but it'll post late Sunday. So be sure to tune in uh, to that as we talk Wolves-Warriors. Um, thank you to those of you that do make Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. A reminder that the show is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes YouTube as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, and any other audio platform that you enjoy. You can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Uh, hopefully you do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Um, and if you do, please make, please consider making Locked On Bets your second listen. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.